And welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 2nd of July 2014, uh, the only podcast for July, but we'll come back to that in a second. Joining me for this edition, our assistant editor, Steve Withers. There's 215 bones in the human body, that's one. News editor, Mark Hodgkinson. I swear I will not kill anyone. <laughs> Pretty good, huh? Good acting. Thanks. <laughs> Better than the uh, actor in question, that's for sure. <laughs> Games editor Mark Botwright. Why do you cry? And audio reviewer Ed Selly. Anybody not wearing two million sunblock is going to have a real bad day. Get it? Uh, right, so first point of call. Uh, this is the only podcast for July. Uh, we are going on our summer holidays and the next weekly podcast uh, will be back on the 6th of August and the next games podcast will be the 14th of August. So no Yay. games pad- podcast this month. Either so, we're all off on holiday, and uh, we're all off to. We're sit not on a going beach. together. Can we stipulate that? Yeah. And I just like yeah. to say that some of us are not going anywhere. I'm not on a I, holiday. At actually, all. I would. I You're would love going to on see, a holiday, Phil. Yeah, I'm going on holiday. I'd love to see a, a road trip with us lot. Yeah, and film it. I think I'd, yeah. Well, the fact that you, your, your tea total is ideal because there would be someone available to yeah, drive and then Hunter S. Thompson-style stupor in the back. They We'd can. never get insured. <laughs> And if you want to win some prizes for the Summer of Sport, and the competition does close just before the Summer of Sport finishes, we are running a competition. Win five grand's worth of home entertainment system. Uh, lots of stuff in there, Mark. Tell us what there is. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll, from, I'll, 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 I'll go from memory. I'll, I'll go Panasonic AS4. 640, 48 inch. There's a Yamaha digital sound pro- processor, YSP3300. Am I right so far? Yes. Uh, yeah, good, not bad, eh? There's a Pioneer LX. Oh, no, I've forgotten which one was it. 60, 76, was it? Pioneer VSX924. Was oh, it VSX? Right, okay. Still all right, though, isn't it? Um, and there was. Uh, I'm going to have to go to the page, aren't I? <laughs> I thought I did all right. There's a Roku streaming stick. The Roku streaming really. stick. Yeah. I didn't know. Okay. We there's, there's not a cuddly toy. No, nope. there's a Epson 3D uh, projector TW5200. Yeah. There's a Philips Fidelio HTL9100 soundbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, a TPS bundle of various goodies, which is a smart Blu-ray player, multi-region, and a um, media streamer, and a free time receiver, and an HDMI lead, and some 3D Blu-rays. And that's worth 540 quid. And as a Cambridge Audio Minx Air, which is a wireless speaker system. Mm-hmm. And we have a Blue Sound Node high res wireless music streamer, which I must admit I've not heard of until the competition. Well that's done. Wor- that's worth 400 quid. Well done. That's uh, That was absolutely everything that's in the competition. So there you go. Uh, five grand's worth. Um, something for every room in the house. And it will go to one lucky winner. Uh, so you'll find that on the front page of the forums. Uh, it will be there. It's going to stay there for most of the month. Uh, You'll also be able to find it on the right-hand side of the forum list, if you're on the forum list. Just click Competitions uh, from the drop-down menu as well. Click on Community and Competitions is the third one in after Forums and Showcase. So there you go. That's how you find it. Get yourselves entered in and uh, win some prizes. Or you could just follow us on Twitter and I'll remind you every hour on the hour. (laughs) Uh, don't forget, we also have a, a competition for a Linsar TV as well, so you could enter that. Uh, so there are the open competitions. I think everybody's going to be interested in the 5K one. We should have went by 4K. That would have been more relevant, wouldn't it? I mean, less prizes, but it would been easier to pun. True. Yeah. yeah. We could keep a grand's worth of equipment. 
<laughs> I believe that's that. <laughs> yes, I think Ed's right on that one, Mark, but um, nice try. Right, let's go to news, and uh, let's start with Onkyo, Denon, Morant, Yamaha, Pioneer. They all announced something last week, Mark, what was that? Atmos, Dolby Atmos, that is, enabled uh, AB receivers, a kind of inevitable um torrent of avalanche avalanche <laughs> yeah avalanche torrent um of uh, of announcements from all the big boys so they'll all have come september time it seems it's the it's the major launch um at least a couple probably three atmos uh, enabled avrs um some through software updates some i'm not sure i think some, some will come with it come re- atmos ready um but it's all it's all scheduled uh, around september um i think what's your cheapest atmos um avr it's around about 1100 quid is it so that's pretty good coverage i mean those are i think all the major avr manufacturers yeah. i'm trying to think who else is missing maybe uh, arcam sony maybe. anthem yeah. one of the surprising things Stephen, we've we've discussed this a couple of times since the announcements were made. Denon and Morantz were definitely in the Oro 3D camp uh, towards the beginning of the year, which is the other uh, immersive sound format. I remember reading PR, which I sent to you as well, which had that in there. It's kind of interesting that they have not gone with Oro, or certainly not to our knowledge, and have gone with Atmos, and it's almost a clean sweep right across all the major manufacturers. Yeah, it's a bit of a coup, really, for, for Dolby. I mean... I hadn't heard anything about them introducing a domestic version of Atmos uh, until you know, there were some rumours a few weeks ago. Obviously, it all got announced last week. But yeah, up until that point, really, I- I'd been ex- assuming, and I, because they'd been more vocal, that uh, Oro 3D, which was already available in some high-end processors, you know, might make the jump to uh, to, to a more a more mass market uh, platform. But out of the blue, Dolby have pretty much sewn it up now. I mean, if you think about it, they've, they've got Certainly at the low end of the market, not maybe not the high end, but certainly the mid to low end of the uh, the home audio pro, home, home surround market, um, they've got it covered. They've got all the big manufacturers behind them now, multiple different uh, models, uh, real, you know, realistic price points. Thousand quid is not going to break the bank. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 impressed and surprised at how quickly how Dolby appears to have pretty much cornered this market now. Now it'll be interesting to see whether whether a whether um, Oro 3D respond at all to this, or maybe they just sort of thrown in the towel a I bit. Don't, I because... don't think they will. I, I think they'll concentrate high end and leave Dolby to get on with the mass market. Yeah. Um, and I think we should bring Ed in at this point because obviously Ed, you've worked in this part of the market before you uh, jumped to the dark side that we're all on. Um, you did work for a couple of manufacturers. So, what do you think the thinking is here? Um, do you want the cynical version? Um, I'm assuming that the enthusiastic take-up is down to the fact that um, Atmos has been bolted on to the the different processing solutions available to the manufacturers. They've looked at it. It's obviously a sensible cost, licensing cost, if at all. You may find that it's actually just part of your existing Dolby license. There is precedent for that. Um, and as I said last podcast, it gives them the opportunity to offer something new and something new in terms of sound, which AV receivers haven't done for a while. If we if we actually think about it, it's all been about 3D processing, 4K pass through and so on and so forth. So this is actually one of the first modifications to sound we've seen in a very long time. Um, so if they're all shopping on the, you know, the, the, the chip market, for want of a better term, they chances are they've got automatic Atmos availability at given price points. Um, 
they will work on the very sort of established principle that at least someone would have gone for it straight out of the box and you know they don't want to be caught out in the way that you know a number of the the, the Japanese house brands were all those years ago when you know Onkyo decided that they were going to fit HDMI 1.3 to everything and damn the consequences and obviously bought got themselves a huge share of the market yep um the one thing that I, I you know, was just thinking, because I do every now and again, um, has anyone been able to confirm with any of these announced AV receivers, are they actually sporting four extra channels of amplification? Not necessarily. I think some of them are, because obviously you're talking about, well, ideally 11 channels of amplification, which is yeah, some, no, some are nine, some are, some are nine. So you can either do uh, 7.1.2 or 5.1.4. But I think some of them are the full eleven, the full Monty, the full eleven for a nine point one point four. Is that right? No, seven. Sorry, seven point one point four. It's a nine point one point two configuration. Yeah, and it's a nine point one point two configuration. It's going to get confused. It's steady, Because clearly, you know, there's going to be some. Some are going to want to say you can do the full, the full WAC Atmos setup out of the box, which would be ideal. But obviously, there becomes a point where it's difficult to cram much more amplification into a standard size chassis yeah without it becoming ludicrously big well, well, this, is, just... this is the thing this is the expensive bit the chips as i say if, if it's been licensed at a, a, a competitive price by dolby and all evidence would suggest that that, that ha- has happened that's where that's where the, the the swallowable cost is and it's whether you assign you, you know you can just play about with the number of existing channels and, and play about and have them sent to different locations if you're actually putting in four more channels of discrete good quality amplification that's where the cost is um rather than any of the uh, the actual processing part and that that will be interesting to see how how they handle that because as you point out steve there's there's implications for size there's implications for back panel real estate because you've got to put those speaker terminals somewhere and at high end people aren't going to be desperately thrilled to have spring clips so you know or i mean alternatively whether somebody ends up thinking out the box and the uh, atmos processing is placed in the amplifier and then there's just four pre-outs and you can decide how you want to actually get amplification yeah. to those points that would be quite effective although whether anyone's thought that far ahead i, I don't know yeah. so i mean the, the main thing here it, and that will be what what either makes this format a success or it, it dies on its arse is is content Stephen. just thinking back to dts es discrete uh, which was the discrete rear channel system that dts brought out about five or six years ago now, maybe a bit longer than that. Certainly in the days of DVD uh, and before Blu-ray, um, there was about four discs in total that came out in that Phil, format. I don't make you feel old, but DTS ES Discrete was two thousand. Oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, the thing was that obviously the problem they had was that um, with DVD, Dolby Digital was the the, the default. And I think it was the standard within the within the actual specifications. It was a standardised. You had to have Dolby Digital on every DVD. So yeah. they had that that particular market, that disc format, pretty well covered. And it was difficult for DTS to kind of break into it. Interestingly, with Blu-ray, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, DTS has become the sort of, you know de facto audio standard, um, whilst Dolby True HD is, is relatively unusual. You do see them on disc, but they aren't that common. So again, it will be interesting to see exactly how this is going to be delivered on a disc. Um, and that might be where Aura comes in. You know, their technology for putting their their um, multiple extra channels onto a onto, into the PCM tracks of a, of a Blu-ray sounded 
and a ingenious and b very simple and backwards compatible. Um, and they're talking about this being backwards compatible, and you can use any Blu-ray player. So that would suggest to me that maybe there's, you know, maybe Laura mm. didn't want to go head to head with a company of the size of Dolby, who are a massive company who have an established, you know, hold in the in, in the domestic market. Uh, they're on all the receivers, you know, they're on a lot of the discs. It would have been, you know, it would have been a tough battle to go head to head with them. But if you can find a way of making some money by helping them, then maybe that would uh, might be a better way to do it. It'd be interesting to see if Sony puts Of course, obviously, this is uh, pure speculation on yeah, your I'm part. Yeah, that's totally and, uh, spitballing on our part. Well, it's, it's, yeah, I was going to say on your part. It's not your part. You're just <laughs> repeating my crack, but there you go. It would be interesting to see if Sony put it on their receivers because in the cinema environment, at least, Sony and um, Dolby are having a bit of a barney at the moment about you know dominance of the digital cinema package market. And Sony have been offering, you know, packages where they, the deals with cinemas where they put in the projectors and, and you know, kind of end-to-end deals where they so they can get dominance in that particular marketplace. And obviously Dolby are trying to as well. Um, so, that, you know, we'd be interested to see if Atmos turns up on any, Dolby rec- um, on any Sony receivers this year. Okay. Well, it, it's interesting anyway. Um, like we say, it's coming in the autumn. Steve, uh, I know you're already planning on uh, where you're going to put all the extra speakers because one of us has to be set up to review this this stuff and um, you kindly volunteered. After I am. That. I am. I aim to do the, uh, the, the sort of reconfiguration over the summer break. So hopefully... When we get back for our next podcast, I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be all primed and ready to go. And when I am done, I'll post some pictures on the forum. Are you getting the man you in? Need to or, um... What, what, about, you, what about pictures of your system? What? So you need to contact Kevin McLeod and do the dullest episode of Grand Designs ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he hates home cinemas. Have you ever seen a house where they've they've got an entertainment room or a home cinema room or a dedicated room? Um, he always skims over it. Doesn't like that kind of thing at all. Well, no, he's too busy rutting with the uh, female <laughs> resident of the house that every single one of them winds up pregnant during the redevelopment. <laughs> and that's not a coincidence. Allegedly. Um, well, sorry, what was wrong with my... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll put a photo of the four speakers on the ceiling up. That's all I meant. <laughs> not the whole f***ing thing, just that bit. I thought we were getting readers' waves type photographs there, Steve. <laughs> No, don't worry. The AV equivalent of a razzle romp. (laughs) (laughs) That got banned for health and safety reasons. True fact. Razzle? No, the razzle romp. (laughs) It was a very specific part. I'm not familiar with the actual romp. Well, you basically ended up sort of stacking naked ladies in a sort of (laughs) increasingly dangerous pyramid of flange. Like Jenga. (laughs) Yeah. It was actually banned for health and safety reasons. Fair enough. I don't know where to go after that. Yeah. Take way out of that one, Phil. And on that bombshell. <laughs> oh, we're finishing already, are we? We've reached our peak. Could be a Commonwealth sport. <laughs> That'd be lame. God's sakes, we're only on the first news story as well, guys. Come on. <laughs> I know we're all excited for our holidays, but... Right, let's move on quickly. LG uh, launching 77-inch, 65-inch uh, Ultra HD 4K OLED TVs in the UK. It's now been confirmed. Uh, Steve, we saw these back in January uh, at CES. Uh, we drooled all over them. They look absolutely beautiful. Uh, picture quality outstanding, as you would expect from an OLED. Now, the 77-inch price tag of twenty grand is a bit steep. However, the 65-inch has quite an attractive... And you've put only at the beginning of this price five thousand nine hundred ninety-nine pounds, which I think for a sixty-five-inch four K OLED TV is a stonking price. I mean, you would have paid that much money for a sixty-five-inch full HD plasma two years ago. So, 
and last year you paid that for a 65 inch 4k led lcd tv so for that kind of technology and given that i've had a, been lucky enough to review two oled tvs in my home and i can testify to the quick quality they can deliver i think that is awesome absolutely awesome and you know if i had a bit of money knocking around i'd definitely be up for buying one of those now i guess we've got to take this a little bit cautiously because it is coming from lg um, it, obviously when they've launched OLED TVs in the past in, in Monaco it actually took two years for that TV to hit they, our review room They do have some form on this one don't they <laughs> However uh, lots of information coming through um, not officially but it seems to be that they have fixed some problems with their production and yields are up significantly uh, that is the information that's certainly coming through off the record uh, well, The and, price would suggest that wouldn't it? Yeah the, yeah. the price and, and the would suggest that and also i mean don't forget when they launched in monaco two years ago i mean there were no actual dates or prices it was all, it was all a bit ethereal wasn't it, it was like yeah we're going to be launching in this sometime this year but this is fairly you know this is this is a firm press release we're launching these two tvs this is the price they're coming soon so I, i'm more confident this is genuine and i think you know the way, the way things are panning out at the moment if lg have genuinely improved their production yields they can have the OLED, mar OLED market to themselves. I was just about there's to say, nobody this is else like doing a very definite, this is a, this, a total statement of intent. It doesn't really matter, I mean, thinking long-term, if they make precisely sod all on these, because it, I, I don't think there's any other manufacturer ready to go at a I'll, point where you could even get, they could get within a grand of it. I'll tell you uh, a good bet to put some money on now if you want to make a guaranteed uh, return, and that is that come IFA... I can guarantee you that Samsung's going to announce OLED TVs. Really? You reckon? Because yeah, on they the were very adamant they were on the back of this. On the back yeah, of this, CES, yes. They said that's it. We're, we're, we're keeping out of this for yeah, three years. Yeah, I think I think they will. I think they're going to jump on it. They, well, they, they will find the price points. They they and will they find a way of doing it. Possibly, but the problem they've got is that obviously they make that. Whereas um, up to now they've been using a different approach. Yes, yes, and and what I'm suggesting is that perhaps they're not going to go that way. Okay, maybe, but I don't think they want to. Well, given that the animosity between those two particular companies, it'll be interesting to see whether Steve, Samsung would. When, whenever we've dealt with these two companies, if one company brings out something, what happens <laughs> yeah, within a week? <laughs> there will be a certain degree of loss of face on <laughs> Samsung, which maybe they don't want to do. I know, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see all the manufacturers piling in with OLEDs right now. That'd be brilliant. I mean, at that moment, we are relying almost exclusively on one company to keep investing yeah. in this. Yeah. And, and they, they and appear to be doing that. I mean, they appear to have built some pretty big factories at a very large investment. Yeah. Uh, so they're definitely serious about it. And, and there's no question in my money, mind that with the right investment and support, this is the TV technology of the future. Right, Phil? I mean, you know, I think it's it should be. Totally. I'm, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. And I think LG, they, they won't get it their own way. It's too costly to every other manufacturer to let somebody get a lead on something like this. So that's why that's why I'm saying come come IFA, we're gonna see all the majors again coming back in with their version of OLEDs. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few maybe surprising partnerships together on this one. Well, it's all good news for us. Although totally. I have to say, based on the based on you know the now if you like closed book of the whole plasma project. The number of manufacturers I don't think ever made a bean on it. I do think, Phil, that some some companies simply won't enter in the first place. Um, yeah, they they can't afford it. I guess just just a, just a, a, a suspicion on this part. Yeah, I, I'm uh, sure that that's going to be the case. Super aggressively. Yeah. I, I guess we can guarantee that we're not going to see Philips or Toshiba or Sharp in this battle. 
Unless they're, buying, unless they're buying them from LG. Unless, yeah, unless, exactly, yeah. unless LG they buy them in from L- LG. So I, I think you can probably rule them out. Samsung have to do it. If LG do it, Samsung have to do it. It's as simple as that. Well, you kind of think that there's one argument that says, you know, if they're in it, we've got to be in it too. The other argument is, you know, let's wait and see whether they make any money or it works because it might fall flat on its face. Yeah, but then, but then you're letting them get the lead. But yes, you? that's what I mean. That the risk is it doesn't do that, and then suddenly they got a, they're a year ahead of you and you're buggered. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's both are playing high. They're both playing high risk games right now, very high risk games. But I guess the big difference is that those two companies are in the position to do that. Yeah. The Japanese manufacturers are brassic, so they can't even afford to play this game. But I totally totally agree with that. I don't think you'll see Sony or Panasonic coming into this. They're they've only just cut back on what they're doing to try and get some money back into those divisions, and. There's no guarantee that those TV divisions are going to survive till the end of the year. I'd be betting so, man again. I'd, I'd put, be happy to put a bet maybe, on one of them dropping out. I, I, I would maybe agree with you there, Steve. It's going to be interesting to see what happens at IFA. It, it makes IFA an interesting show this year. It was exciting, exciting last year for similar reasons, and I think it's going to be exciting this year. You're right, Phil. I think it would be uh, a good show. Okay, let's move things on a little bit. Uh, 4K broadcast of the Commonwealth Games. The BBC are going to do this publicly Aren't they Ed? <laughs> so, so I'm told, yes. Um, I, for one, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they're trying on something relatively large scale, but if you like self contained, I, I don't fully large, understand. Large scale, the, as, in, as in the size of the two TVs they're going to use? It's like a pub, isn't it? <laughs> it was more, as I say, I don't uh, uh, the, pr- the process by which plebs like us actually watch. Oh, it. oh right. Well, oh, you don't know that. Oh, well, Mark's going to fill you in on, on yeah, exactly yeah, oh, why this is public. Commonwealth Games, Ed. That's your opportunity. Uh, it's being held next month. Well, so I know about the Commonwealth Games. Right, okay. Yeah. So you're familiar with that event. Yes. <laughs> well, you get yourself up to Glasgow on a train. Right. And then you, then you head for um, the some Glasgow Science Centre, wasn't it? That's right. Uh, oh, so, I actually ha- so effectively, I have to go enough sufficient distance that I could actually go and watch... Yeah. The Commonwealth Games. <laughs> well, there was that element there is that drawback. I believe You'll it's f- free and you can go and watch it on a couple of tellies. And the BBC, the BBC are me doing... Forgive my frock up. Ah, <laughs> where's your sense of adventure? And uh, yeah, they're doing the um, open ceremony and then some judo or something. Wrestling and weightlifting. No, and it's basically a test of the BBC's uh, ability to deliver 4k <laughs> over over an ip uh into infrastructure yeah on, so on a couple of tellies public in its broadest it's public <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was public it, it wasn't Obviously, a lie if you are tempted to go to glasgow ed please don't say anything don't open your mouth because you'll get glassed i went up to glasgow to see lynn last year and i, was, I was came back very much alive <laughs> so um you know that's... yes but that's the posh end of glasgow mate yeah, <laughs> I don't know either. End. I, it's somewhere else. As I say, I've been to Scotland once this century, and I, I'm, I have to admit, I'm an, I'm I'm cool with that. So <laughs> we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens after this independence vote. You know, could that be more fun? I actually, visit a different country. I've always wanted to visit a third world country by train. You'll enjoy it in the Wicker Man. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, we seem to have lost Ed. Uh, there, that, that is unfortunate. For the rest of the podcast. Come, Ed. Your appointment with the Wicker Man awaits. Now, let's not lower ourselves to stereotyping, guys. Come on, let's. No, let's no, be above, no, no. Let's I, say, I'm, I have to say, I'm genuinely looking forward to the Commonwealth Games. It's normally, normally, normally quite good. Um, and uh, uh, in, in terms of unsuitable crushes, we've got a uh, a lady lady hammer thrower in the English team called Sophie Hitchin. 
And that sounds like an unsuitable combination, but frankly, I'd quite happily be torn limb from limb by her. (laughs) (laughs) Probably would be. Oh, probably would be. I yeah, I wouldn't come out of it alive, but I'd be. I'd die happy. I see see what you mean. Yeah, you see, (laughs) you see. Not bad. Uh, Where's Google? That first picture, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Got us. Oh, yeah, you see. <laughs> right, let's weird you the one I, watching, I, I started watching curling because you fancied the women in the team. Oh, I know, know the UK curling team, yeah. And <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and <laughs> a moment of quiet reflection. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, good At flight. least it was quiet reflection. Yeah. Oh, it could have been quiet. stereotypes a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, at least you know with the curling team, they're going to be good at cleaning up, you know. <laughs> They can brush like a demon, can't yeah, they? Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, can we move on? Right, so we're stereotyping, we're sexist. No, I'm thinking about the lot of you are stereotypes. At least when Group I'm of AV geeks talking about a curling team. Oh, listen, <laughs> listen to the gamer still living at home in his oh. bedroom playing his games. <laughs> I was proofing one of your reviews, not your review, sorry, uh, Mark, um, I think it was James, but it was a, a sort of a, a sim game, and he was moaning about the, you know, <laughs> the boring characters in the sim game. I thought, you don't. You just doesn't quite see the irony of what he's just said. <laughs> anyway, Ned, what, what lesson have you just learnt there, Mark? Never pick a fight when you're outnumbered by geeks. What, you, you believe that you aren't one yourself. I was going to say. <laughs> uh, I was picking it with Jed. Where's the reviews? Hang on, sorry, I was muted there. I was trying to wipe dribble off the cat. <laughs> sorry, I was just what? You'll do what to the cat? <laughs> Quite, it's, it's a very old cat and it has a drool problem. So I've just been. <laughs> we'll put it down and buy a new cat. It hasn't got a drool problem. It's not my cat. Well, oh. didn't you kill it quietly and say it died of old age. Do what my dad used to do when I was a kid come home from school and say he went to you know, heaven or went to live on a farm. Or well, in one case, told me my rabbit had exploded because it ate it. <laughs> Tell me, honestly, you told me that. I believed him for years. I thought. Yeah, just blow up if you eat too much food. It Mind you, it was a massive rabbit. One of those big white ones. It was the size of a small car. Maybe it did. Well, actually, I'm beginning to wonder if that was true. I'll talk and see him next week. Did well, that, rupture? Alive, <laughs> that one was the truth. Did it actually rupture from over it? Right, no, it's sorted. I have removed the dribble from the cat. And, and no, no, you have all, all of your review. All of my reviews are ready to go and be used as you see fit. And the more are planned. As I say, I've got this... I've got got the next one actually sat next to me at the moment, propped up against a cardboard box. So. I, well, well, don't let the cat drool on it. It's uh, fine. Ed, it, it, yes. That NAD amplifier, it looks like a projector. It's, it's a funny... <laughs> that like, massive a, knob. Well, uh, I beg volume, your volume control, sorry. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's very good. Um, I, I think, I, you know, I don't mean to blow my own trumpet here, but I think I've, I've picked four go. quite interesting things this month, so... Okay, can mm-hmm. we can we maybe move on to the podcast? Oh yeah, that's what we're that's what we're doing. Sorry, we're having a chat. Right, okay. Ask the idiots, um, Hodge. Why don't you uh, tell us who posed this question and what the question was? So it's uh, it's our, our friend Chevy on fuel. Yeah. So he what did what did John ask? John, as as we know him, um, what's your favourite AV experience? The sort that left you gobsmacked or amazed, be it a demo, review sample, studio visit, etc. Okay, let's go to bot right first. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> did, did we get to the bottom of, of all right? Someone define favourite. 
This is how I've had it out every exam. Okay, Mark. An enjoyable experience that was more enjoyable than than a lot of other experiences. And it's about audio video equipment, yeah? Got that right. Bit? Okay. Um, it, it can be a demo, so it could be somebody else's equipment. It doesn't have to be yours. You know what? Come back to me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew he was going to do that. This right. Been, you've had this email since this morning. It's not like it's a quick up on you. <laughs> let, let, let <laughs> you've had think. a whole day to prepare. Let him think. Yeah, I know, it, but Steve. nobody defined favourite for me. Right, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you mine and then that may give an idea. All right. So, uh, mine was 2008 at CES. It was a pioneer demonstration of Ultimate Black. Uh, basically, the demonstration started off with two plasmas either side of the stage, uh, played a video loop. And when that video loop finished, the centre of the stage was complete darkness and uh, as the loop started again, there was actually a TV and it had been sitting on all the time in the black and this picture just floated in midair. It was a golden ring, wasn't it? It was a golden ring and everybody's jaw hit the floor. Never seen anything like it and I've never seen anything like it since. Really, really well done demo. That's not to say... <laughs> it never got released, did it? Well, it never got released. And I actually had to look behind the curtain and it was a couple of 19-inch racks with a process and power to make the thing work. Rather than was there on an a old chip. band back there as well? <laughs> <laughs> rather than on a chip. But in terms of it, a, an experience, a demonstration, everybody that saw that that year, the draw was on the floor and that was before the ninth generation TVs were launched. And just after they were launched, they pulled the plug. So we'll never see that technology. Uh, that was the first one. Uh, second one, uh, recent visit to Galaxy Studios was the Mono app mix using Aura 3D. I forgot what the track was, Steve, remind me. It was a, it was um, Marvin Gaye, wasn't it? Marvin Gaye, that's vine. it, through the gatevine. Mono, yeah. uh, Mono and then up mixed, and it actually sounded like a genuine stereo mix. It was superb, really good. Those are the two that stand out for me. Steve? Sadly, I wasn't at the 2008 demo. I've only been to CSs that would have been boring. But um, I, I've got to say, from a demo perspective, the mono into 9.1 was gobsmacking, frankly. The technology involved in that was so impressive because uh, it didn't just sound, it didn't sound fake or processed. It genuinely sounded more yeah, expansive and open in a way that I couldn't imagine it was capable of doing. Um, the actual demo of Oro 3D in the uh, big cinema was also impressive. Yeah, really as impressive. In fair, uh, and in all fairness, I was equally as impressed when I had a big demo in the cinema they've got, Dolby have got at their offices not far from where I live, actually. That, again, was very impressive when you actually sort of see some of the stuff they've had you know, created specifically for their demo material. Again, that was really good. I was very impressed with the... Uh, remember we went to Atlanta for uh, Cedia and and THX had built a demo room on mm -hmm. the show floor. And when you walked into that demo room and closed the door, you could not hear. I mean, given how noisy these show floors are and how much noise there isn't outside, close the door, pitch quiet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th totally I, think, quiet. I think we need to explain this one a little bit just so people realize exactly what happened. So imagine a show floor, just a massive empty show floor like an NEC or uh, one of the London areas like Girls Court, something like Girls that. Girls Court, so, yeah, something like that. Um, and what they'd basically done was built four walls and a, and a roof and soundproofed and, and obviously a floor as well. So it was a suspended floor. Uh, walls and, and a roof completely soundproofed it all um, using their technology some of it was propriety so they didn't tell you exactly how they did it um, and 
like Steve says, you opened this and it was a big, thick door. Walked in, and you know what a show floor is like. If you've ever been to a trade show or something like that, you know how busy it is, and people playing music, and there's, you know, the demonstrations fighting each other for loudness and all the rest of it. You walked into this room, you sat down, and as soon as they closed the door, you could not hear a thing outside. And, yeah, really impressive, but also really strange. It's a strange sensation. If you yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, there was a full THX home cinema in there as well. I mean, what was it, half a million dollars or something they spent on yeah, it was about doing that, this? something like that, yeah. But that's a demo, demos examples I can think of. But at home, me personally, no question, uh, getting the VW1000, the, the first Sony 4K projector in for review, setting that up that I came around from, from Sony with a hard drive, you know, and, and a computer, and a, well, a PC basically, uh, and put on some 4K content for me. And sitting in my home cinema at home, watching 4K, on a big 10 foot screen that was i thought that, that was cool. dci 4k yeah it was dci 4k yes it was pretty impressive i thought this is something most people don't get a chance to do and this is pretty cool and also along similar lines having uh data sat in my home cinema that was pretty awesome too <laughs> so those would be my two all right stop home. rubbing it in you get right let's move on <laughs> uh mark you're next it was 2012, and uh, AV Forums took a Stand Up the Gadget show live at the NEC in Birmingham. Um, and the guys at Anthem AV um, built us a really impressive demo, demo room. What really impressed me was the 3D things. So, uh, you know, we're not that keen on it. Um, but it was there was a triple flash uh, Sim 2 Lumus projector 3DS, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. That was a, the most beautiful 3D experience you know I've ever seen. I think they were just, they were just showing Tintin Adventures of Tintin, which is not necessarily the best movie, but it was just so it was just so comfortable and natural to watch. And there was um, a 7.2 uh, paradigm signature setup. Uh, 7.4, seven point four, no, 7.3 wasn't it? It was triple. 7. It was triple subs. Yeah. yeah, triple subs. Thinking about it, um, which was just awesome. It was only, it was quite a small room and it was extremely well soundproofed. Um, I'm sure you remember. Uh, and they did um, a demo after hours of. Uh, a music blue ray was it nine inch nails oh was it no yeah that was it well done yeah uh, um that was awesome um just yeah stunning it was were you, just were you there mark when they put on tron legacy and cranked it up so loud that they actually blew the roof of the room off <laughs> no unfortunately i missed that that, that probably would have been I'm not making this up they actually moved there's so much air pressure in the room that it pushed the seat yeah. the ceiling of this little yeah. room they built up in the air I can well believe it. <laughs> I'm going to go back to what you said there, Mark, about um, how the 3D image was was really, really good. And and I guess that points to the fact that, you know, we have been down on 3D and 3D hasn't really caught on with the mass market. But when it is done right, um, yeah. it is an outstanding experience. It is something really quite special. Yeah, but I think, I think it's... it's it's making that event, isn't it? Going sitting down in a special room, putting the glasses on, and making it an event. And I think the reason it hasn't caught on is people don't want to do it in the home, Look like a tit. Okay, um, <laughs> Mr. Botwright, have you thought something yet? Have we given you inspiration here? Uh, well, we haven't heard from Ed yet. All right, so you want me to go around no. everybody else before I come back to you? <laughs> no, right. no, okay. all right. I'll yeah. throw something out here, but mine's going to be game related. Obviously, obviously, yeah, exactly. All right, fair enough. Um, uh, I would say probably uh, at home on a projector, Res or Child of Eden. And Child of Eden, I played um, at one point mildly inebriated on homemade wine, and it was fantastic. That's it. Okay. So basically, anything as long as you're shit faced. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it only works with that kind of light show where you can almost like fall asleep and trance out in a room. 
I've got to say one one of the really interesting uh, demos that I did have uh, gaming wise was on a projector, and we're going back a few years now. It was on a CRT projector, and I think it was the original Halo on the original Xbox, with the first sort of Dolby uh, interactive soundtrack in surround. I think I'm sure it was Dolby that did that. Um, that was really impressive. Yeah, hearing, Halo's hearing, got a lot of credit for its soundtrack. Hear, hearing things running behind you and, 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 and then turning around and then them popping up in the speakers at the front and stuff like that. that was, we'd never heard or seen anything like that before, and that was really impressive. I mean, it's au fait now. I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm imagining nearly every game that comes out that's like that has that now, but for the time, that genuinely was standout. Oh, this is good. Okay, Ed. For me, would have been the rig that we took to Manchester 2004. That would have been when Morden Short was still being done, distributed by Morantz, and we took THX, Morden Short THX pack. Who's we? Extra bits and Sorry, bobs. who's we? Ed. We would have been back when I was working for Audio Partnership, which is more than uh, short Cambridge Audio et al. More than short was distributed by Morantz at that point. So we, which is say more than short Morantz, we took THX pack, some extra bits, extra speakers, just to make sure the room was nice and full. And that was then bolted in with the Morantz 12 series. So the SR12 AV receiver, DV12 DVD player, and the VP12 S2 um, DLP projector and from I mean, having come at this from a, a, a very much a two-channel background that was the first time where when we were doing we were we did a variety of demonstration clips but it all almost without fail was just more convincing and just more fun than any cinema presentation I've been to up until that point it was the first time where it sort of became clear to me that if you do throw enough money at the problem and be under no illusions that you know, 10 years ago, it was still an, an outrageous sum of money. I mean, it was 18 grand for the electronics and another seven grand's worth of speakers. Um, yeah, it was, it was just face-bendingly good. And we had people queuing out the door. Um, we we got into the habit of doing the, if you think back to the, the Animatrix DVD, I mean, obviously it became a sort of demonstration cliche after a while but we just ran the complete first one of those the 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 Osiris yeah. thing yeah. and it just yeah it was just fantastic it, yeah. it was everything that i wanted an av demonstration to be yeah and there's there's been so many good ones uh, as you can imagine i mean obviously we, we do this uh, for a living these days uh, but we've always been into this sort of hobby and we've had demonstration after and picking out you know the the really best ones. I mean, I've I've picked ones out that are relatively recent, you know, two thousand and eight and so on. Um, but you saying that and and saying that that was the first time you'd heard a home cinema system. I'm thinking, well, when was the first time I heard that? It wasn't the first time I'd heard a home cinema system. I need to be clear on this. It was the first one where it just clicked. It made sense. It right. sort of okay. was a legitimate thing that you'd spend money on. Yeah. So I was thinking about that, and it would have to be 1993. Jurassic Park on Laserdisc with a Relstorm subwoofer and it was the first time I'd experienced a properly set up subwoofer with a T-Rex scene on Laserdisc that blew me away and I bought the Relstorm and then a few weeks later I heard the, the Lion King in what was called AC3 back then on a Yamaha 3090 and I ended up spending 10 grand <laughs> so that's if, if you're talking about favourites or the most expensive, those were the most expensive ones. Happy days. 
Oh yeah, I kind of miss all, I miss all that. Really. Yeah, I do as well. I, I really miss. <laughs> I, I really miss. I know things room. are so much better now. You know, the quality you can get in terms of projection, in terms of audio, is you know lossless audio and full 1080p and everything in 4K now as well. You know, it's, it's just a quantum leap beyond what was capable of 20 years ago. But that kind of analog world, and I'm sure Ed will speak about this at length if you wanted to. Uh, you know, it's still something about it that I still yeah. kind of miss. Yeah, I, I, well, I, know, I, I still it's miss funny that because it's not even necessarily just analog. I mean, my favourite AV system that I've owned is not. I mean, compared to the the capabilities of the stuff that lives in the house downstairs now, it's neither here nor there. But it it just it was a sufficient jump over what I'd gone before and the way it performed and the way it did stuff. That yeah, that was you know. That, that was I, I think it was a, some years ago. There was a certain community back then as well, which was really small, uh, who got into this and got into the hobby and 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 started you know collecting laser discs and all that kind of thing back in the day. And now it's you know we, we, you've lost all that. And we've discussed this quite a few times on the podcast. But um, yeah, I think all of us there have have definitely come up with something that uh, hopefully John will be happy with uh, in terms of an answer to the question and. Uh, Ask it. will be back when we come back in uh, August. So, gear thinking caps on. Uh, is there anything you want to ask us? Anything you want to find out uh, about? Uh, anything? Any tutorials or anything you want to ask us? It can be on any subject matter whatsoever. You know what the podcast's like. Uh, we don't necessarily talk about AV all the time, um, so it can be about any, anything you like. Uh, upcoming um, reviews. Let's Phil, do, yeah. Phil, sorry, quickly. Uh, just to throw it back to John. Maybe he'd like to put into the thread of this podcast what his was. Well, he's asked why, the question. Why, why don't we do one better? John, you're yeah. welcome to pop onto the podcast. Uh, so yeah. if you want to come on the podcast and uh, give us your answer to your own question, uh, let us know and uh, we'll make that happen. When we come Actually, back. John, yeah. just come round to my gaff and you can join in here. It'd be easier. <laughs> Yeah, he lives around the corner from me. There you go. He's set up on a date already, John. There you go. What can we say? I, I, oh, I, you have two friends now, Steve. <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's a bit sad having to do it, but advertising on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a new Lonely Hearts area, is it? <laughs> Be my friend. Uh, watch out. If he gets a baby oil out, or he gets a film star on the rock on the on the system, get you're getting a panic. Get out of the Fast way. Fast and the Furious 6. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on to movie news. And before we go to the cinema, because uh, Steve did go and see what he was told to go and see. <laughs> which I'm really looking forward to uh, to this review. But before we do that, um, obviously there is a World Cup going on at the moment. Um, I have to admit, I... I uh, one big football fan here. I have no interest in it. I have watched nothing of the World Cup. I am I'm done with football for the time being. I think um, that's quite a joke because it's like on TV all the time. <laughs> I know, but I, I I don't know what it is. It's just I I've had no interest in it whatsoever. So since you gave up smoking, you've changed. You've changed. I have. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you've changed. I realise there's a world outside where there's I've been sitting, sitting in the house smoking. <laughs> smoking, what's in the footy? <laughs> uh, anyway, 
we did produce uh, a couple of bits and pieces. We did loads of World Cup stuff, and and we thought, well, you know, what if you don't like a World Cup? What if, um, you know, well, we all knew England were going to be pretty rubbish. Um, and before anybody says anything, I'm English, even though I've got a Scottish accent. So you know, I'm not I'm, just because I'm a Scotsman doesn't mean I'm having a go here. But English, England were what we expected. Well, so, so um, we did 10 top on-demand shows, Mark. Um, we're not going to spend much time on this, but uh, what did we recommend? Right, okay. Uh, first one was, came of, it was a kind of a collective effort, I'd like to think, because I haven't seen all these. Um, Penny Dreadful was one of Steve's nominations. Um, he described it as a kind of gothic mix of Ripper Street and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, that's uh, currently available through Now TV. Um, it was produced by uh, co-produced by Sky Atlantic, I believe. And exactly um, produced by Sam Mendes. It's got quite. A thank good you very much for that. Yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I must, must admit, I, I watched one of them uh, about fifteen minutes of the first episode drunk, so I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Understand it was what a good was going. way to start. A new yeah, no, it was a bad idea. Morning. I just thought, oh, I'll start this now. <laughs> it was like one fifteen on Saturday morning or something. I'll give this a go, and, and I didn't like it. But then I wouldn't like anything new. Um, Moving on, uh, one of my favourites uh, is Vikings, which there is two seasons of on Amazon Prime. I believe you can get it. You can get one season of it through Netflix Brazil or somewhere like that. If you if you're into Netflix um, region switching, um, just a, a, a cracking uh, drama with quite a, quite a good um, amount of historical research carried carried uh, uh, sorry undertaken beforehand uh, some good performances lots of moody shots uh, interesting stories plenty of violence obviously uh, and you end up cheering for the Vikings as they invade ancient Britain well like this I did um, next one is a favourite of mine and Steve's and currently available through 4OD uh, and um, Netflix Netherlands uh, in its entirety which is Fargo um, a uh, remake of the Coen Brothers movie. One oh, of my favourite movies. It's it's, it's not it's, sorry a remake. Inspired by it. A reimagining. Uh, maybe yeah. would be better. Just finished um, last week. Yeah, ten episodes. Absolutely cracking. I've, I've I've got to admit I've only done nine so far. I've still got one in the can. Oh, you're in for treat. You're in for I treat. know the will. I know. I need to. I need a special night. I've got to say I haven't I haven't seen any of this, but impressive cast. Yeah. yeah, Billy Bob, Billy Bob Thorne in particular is stunning, isn't, isn't he? Um, in in his it's a role. really good show. It's worth checking if you like Fargo at all, the film. Uh, Phil, yeah. then then uh, you will enjoy I, this. I, I, I love, I love Fargo. I, th- I thought it was. I thought yeah. Francis was <laughs> her performance in that was outstanding. I love. Well, that there's, an, there's a female character in this uh, again, a cop. It's kind of not quite not the same character, obviously, but certainly influenced by it. And, and and even though it isn't written by the Coen Brothers, it's got the quirkiness, it's got the interesting characters, it's got a really twisty plot. Uh, it's it, I cannot recommend it highly enough. You definitely enjoy it. Okay, so I mean, there's there's ten in the list. We've gone through a few of them there just to give you an idea. If you want to uh, get the full list, then um, you could go to uh, the main menu at the top of the page. If you go to Home AV, no, it's under Movies, wasn't it? This one. So if you go to the top top of the uh, <laughs> 
go to the top of the page under movies and if you go to articles and it is in there uh, in that section there you will find all the articles that uh, we have done including the 50 discs that you must own uh, we just don't have time to go through that uh, go and have a look I'm sure you'll think of stuff that isn't on the list so add it to the thread that accompanies that and your reasons why uh, your choices should have been within the original 50 there's also uh, three dimensions uh, the one about the blu-ray uh, 3d discs um, the 20 best if you're still into that kind of thing and uh, reference status the 20 best blu-rays according to uh, Kaz and Simon and Steve for picture and sound quality so those are the anti-world cup um, articles for stuff to go and watch if you have no interest like me in the football at the moment and uh, how is the football going Mark? Uh, you're you're just at the anthem stage at the moment so badly so it's gripping <laughs> What, the well, Algerian national anthem is that is that a barn burner? Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> I think the, the the best quote I've seen so far about this World Cup is that we're we're now uh, at the the six stage of sixteens. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, I think it was uh, Dara O'Brien who tweeted that uh, it's now getting like uh, your favourite sitcom where or drama series where they start killing off all your favourite characters. <laughs> well, it has to happen, doesn't it? Well, if Germany go out in the next two hours, <laughs> won't be seeing me crying for that one. Are the Dutch still in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah they came back oh the dodgy day. penalty, though. Massive dive, I thought, but anyway. Okay, let's not get into who we hate. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long list. Because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure our European friends do listen in, and we love you all. Uh, you know, United Europe and all that. We're going to be in Europe for much longer, by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, let's not go there either. Right, let's move on. Uh, what's at the cinema, Steve? Right, <laughs> under a certain degree of duress here for the rest of the podcast team, uh, I did go and see Mrs. Brown's Boys, the movie! Yay! Uh, I, have to, I have to start this by saying that I'm not really a fan of the TV show. I know Phil is a fan of the TV show. I've seen a couple of episodes, and it is funny in places. Basically, it's shot in front of a live audience, and one of the big gimmicks is that they basically, when they cock up, they keep it in, don't they, Phil? <laughs> Yeah, that's the whole point, and it's playing to the audience. It's old-fashioned yeah, humour. It's it's done in a very old-fashioned slapstick, so um, seaside comedy style. Um, you know, you're naughty and, and all the rest. Of it. Although there is some swearing in there for the 21st century, but um, still a lot of implied humour and all that kind of thing. But it is, as I certainly think, the, the episodes that I have seen, and I'm not, I have not watched them all, but the ones that I have seen have been genuinely quite funny. And you saw the live show as well, didn't you? Yeah, I, I went um, I went to see the live show when it was in Newcastle and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I came out there, my sides were sore just through laughing. And it's it's not because it's it's groundbreaking comedy or all the rest of it. Like I say, it's old-fashioned. Um, you probably heard the jokes, you know, when you were a kid, basically. You know, that's the type of humour. There's a lot of toilet humour in there and, you know, lowest common denominator. But it is genuinely quite funny. I watched um, 10 minutes of one episode and I would rather have experimental pile surgery than watch another second. But then, level. Ed, you know, uh, a comedy, it's like everything else. It comes down to um, It's a the deeply person. subjective area. You're deeply subjective. Right. And what one person finds funny, 
other people don't find funny and what you find depressing a lot of us really like <laughs> oh, no, i have to say it's mainly my my great dislike of it that meant i was insistent that steve went to see it well to be honest that. with you I, I knew it was going to be a disaster which is why i wanted to steve to go as well like i say i'm no huge fan of the show i get it though and i get the humor and i quite enjoy some of the humor that's about it'll, as far as i would go uh, frequently break the fourth wall in the show yeah as well don't they Phil? yeah okay well yeah. I should point out that uh, in the cinema, it wasn't a packed cinema, for one thing, mm. but clearly there were people in there who were fans of the show, and there were people laughing. There were, but not me. I have to stay. I didn't laugh once, but other people in the cinema were laughing at the jokes. I thought the jokes were uh, obvious, crude. I mean, having a lawyer who were Tourette's, a solicitor with Tourette's, just, just like the, that is like the lamest tell, you know, who's still laughing at Tourette's now? That, that, that was done 20 years ago. <laughs> you could see most of the jokes coming a mile off. The plot was ludicrous. Uh, it all revolves around Mrs. Brown getting a, a tax bill for 4 million euros because her mum hadn't paid a bill years ago and it accumulated over time. You think they might have sent a single reminder at least once or twice over that period of time, but apparently not. They, they do at least address the fact that it's a film, but they kind of address it quite frequently. <laughs> like, you know, this is the movie. Yeah, it's full of, it's, yeah, like you say, Phil, it's kind of old fashioned comedy, but it is full of swearing too, as you should probably point out. I just found it painful. It was a real stinker. And the most depressing thing about it was sitting through the film thinking, this is probably not the worst film I'm going to see this year because I've got Transformers next week. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, if you're a massive fan of the show, you might enjoy it. Go and see but it. If you're a massive I mean, fan are, of the show, you're going to go and see it anyway. You're, you're going to get it. It's like an Alan Partridge movie. You know, if you get the joke, it's really, really funny, and you really enjoy it. If you don't get the joke, or you don't, you don't get that type of humor, or it's not your thing, then you'll sit there and you won't laugh once. You know, no, like like just, we said, it's, it's just, really, yeah. really subjective stuff. Um, and also, but one of the things that you know you thought would at least be funny is when they do uh, break the fourth wall or, or more to point cock up and then keep it in the film. It, it felt like they were just faking it. The, the laughter wasn't genuine. Yeah. It just felt forced yeah. the whole time. I, I, I just didn't think it was going to make a very good movie. No, it didn't. Uh, it was it was bollocks, basically. Uh, but, you know, as I say, if, if you're a fan, you might enjoy it. If you're not a fan or you haven't seen it, I, I really wouldn't go. There are better films to see. For example, I came out of that film and thankfully to take the bad taste left in my mouth by Mrs. Brown, <laughs> I went to go and see Chef, um, oh, John Favreau's new film, written and directed by Favreau as well. And I have to say, I thought it was absolutely superb. Uh, a really uh, charming story, likable characters, very funny. Um, and not the most, you know, not the most original plot. You, you knew where it was going. You knew how it was going to end. But uh, it got there in a nice way. You know, it, it, you enjoyed the journey with these characters. Um, There's a load of really gorgeous food in it too. I came out of the cinema absolutely starving. And um, it was so, so much lovely food and it being cooked. But it is, it's funny. There's a, uh, it's, basically, he plays a chef who, um, uh, he's divorced. He has a, an estranged son. Uh, he's working in a restaurant for uh, which is owned by Dustin Hoffman. He plays the character who owns it. Uh, he gets a bad review. He kind of has a bit of a breakdown and gets quits his job and ends up buying a, a food truck and, and just going back to his roots and cooking simple food. And uh, that's how, and he goes on a road trip with his son and, and a friend of his cooking food. Uh, and it's, it's a very simple plot, but it really does work. And the relationship between him and his son is brilliantly played. The little, the little kid is excellent in it. There's a whole plot point in it about uh, Twitter and, and Facebook and the kid being really clued up uh, you know, and having his own iPad and taking pictures of the journey and 
posting it on on Twitter and creating advertising and, and word of mouth for the food truck itself. And it, again, it's really well layered into the story of the modern technology and, and the relationship between him and his son is excellent. And it's quite moving at times. Um, although you can see it was written by Favreau because in it, he's given he's not he's not the best looking man. In all fairness, and he's pretty poor. He's about the size of Ed. Uh, and um, <laughs> drop um, that in. <laughs> he starts off like having a bit of a fling with Scarlett Johansson, and later on, his ex-wife's played by well, go uh, ahead. Sophia Vargo, who's you know the, the wife in Modern Family, who's a smoking hot Colombian. And you're like, yeah, right, you wish, John. Did he go ahead? There's still hope for us. Hey, no, I'm I, I'm in, I'm in a good place. My wife's substantially more attractive than I am. So, you know. Job and I done. noticed it last time I checked, you were single. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, so uh, my, my movie of the week, and if you fancy going to see a really nice, really, really enjoyable film that's made for adults, by adults, uh, no no giant robots, no monsters, no men in drag, um, go and see Shaq. <laughs> it's absolutely superb. You see, I thought, um, I, I thought you'd have been right into the men in drag, but there you are. <laughs> no, no, thank you, Phil. Uh, yeah, I, I'm Chef great, Mrs. Brown's boys. Okay, fair enough. And who's going to do the Blu-rays? Mr. Potright, do you want to volunteer for that? What? <laughs> Has he <Huh>? seen them? <laughs> what, am I asking a question? Uh, Steve, just do the film. Speaking on Blu-ray, we have The Grand Budapest Hotel, which is Wes Anderson's latest film. Uh, I saw it at cinema when it came out. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is very Wes Anderson, you know, very stylized. Uh, but the central performance by Ray Fiennes is superb, extremely funny. Um, it's in multiple aspect ratios as well, which is quite interesting. So if you're a fan of Wes Anderson, you'll definitely enjoy this. So check it out. The Book Thief, I've also seen. Um, didn't enjoy that so much. It's based upon you know a well-known book. Um, it's one of those books that I think is quite tricky to adapt because it's narrated by death in the book and is narrated by death in the film, but it kind of feels a bit silly. It's about a, a girl during World War II, they're hiding a Jewish boy and and, um, and she's stealing books from a library, hence the title. Uh, it was okay, but I, I, did, did, I don't think it really da- converted well to, to, to being a film. Uh, Man of Tai Chi, which is the directorial, de- directorial debut of um, Keanu Reeves. And I've got to say, I quite enjoyed this. Um, there's lots of fight scenes in it. I mean, the whole film is basically a series of extended fight scenes. Um, but it had uh, some really good fight scenes that were really quite cleverly staged. Um, Keanu Reeves plays the villain in it, um, which is unusual for him. Uh, and, he, and he's not—he's a competent director. And uh, the cast is inter- he's an interesting cast. The main guy in it, who I've never heard of, is obviously is a martial artist and actor in Asia, was great. Um, and uh, yeah, it's fun, a good fun movie. But uh, certainly, so for pure fun elements, Maritai Chi is probably worth checking out. For the Wes Anderson fans, certainly the Grand Budapest Hotel is definitely worth checking out. Um, uh, and Bookfeed, not so much. Okay, cheers for that, Steve. Uh, just before we go, it was uh, Glastonbury weekend just past. Uh, Ed, are you a fan of the festivals or are you a bit hipster when it comes to this kind of thing? I've enjoyed the music streams coming from Glastonbury. Uh, I'd give almost anything not to be anywhere near it. Um, <laughs> I'm not a festival person. I, well, I was just going to point out that BBC iPlayer have um, the vast majority of the performances up there for a week. So if you are into live music um, and you have your TV hooked up to a decent sound system or your PC or whatever, then iPlayer do have all those. I've just... Uh, just before we came out of the podcast, I finished Metallica's entire set uh, that they did on the Saturday night, and it, I've got to say, absolutely brilliant. I wish I had been there, actually. It looked like it was fantastic. 
I can't get that excited. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. I think it was a, a, a nice, a, 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 a quality choice, and I think they 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 delivered on their expectations. Um, for me, uh, slightly off piste, the um, Robert Plant performance. I mean, I know he's old, and I know that he was recording stuff when they when I was an ovum. But nonetheless, the, the performance... No, when you were born, he, the band had broken up, Ed. Absolutely. So the, well, no, it's not Led Zeppelin. It's just Robert Plant. The performance... Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying that his just, band had broken up before you were born. Just watch it. Take it on face value. And what, in, in terms of musicianship, I don't think there was a better set. Right. At last, the, only thing that, the only things that came close to it... The Arcade Fire one is bloody good as well. They're weird, but nonetheless cracking set and then i don't believe it is on iplayer because i don't think bbc showed it at all but it can probably be found in the six music archive or someone's probably stuck it on youtube the massive attack live oh i want i want i wanted to see that is that not on iplayer not as far as i know i haven't i I haven't given that as much attention i mean as you know i've been doing most of my month's work today so um, (laughs) i haven't given it the opportunity the the attention i probably should have done i'm gonna say yeah um, I, I thought they were going to be on there because that's one I want to see, and the Manic Street Preachers they they played as well. I wanted to see their set. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they played on this, the Saturday. This weekend. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if they brought their own toilet with them this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I wanted to catch that as well, and uh, I, just flicking through. I mean, I can't remember that exactly everybody that was there, but I was flicking through what is available, and I thought, ooh, I want to see that. Ooh, I quite fancy watching that. So I think uh, my afternoons uh, this week will be spent on iPlayer on at least one of the PCs playing in the background. Watch the Robert Plant one. It's bloody marvellous. Okay. You don't have to like what he does. It's just fantastic. (laughs) Well, uh, we have unfortunately run out of time uh, for the podcast for this week and for this month so don't forget we are not around for the rest of this month and neither is the games podcast Uh, we are off on our summer holidays Uh, but we will be back on the 6th of august for the weekly podcast and the 14th of august for the games podcast so get that in your diaries uh just don't go looking for us this month because we're not here. Uh, so all I need to do now is thank Steve Withers. I need your clothes, your boots and your motorcycle. Mark Botwright. Gibbons. And Ed Selly. Your foster parents are dead. Let's go. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Bookmark AV Forums for the latest reviews, news and video. And why not leave us a rating on iTunes. I'm Phil Hinton. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you again in August. We're all going on a summer holiday. Two. Fun and laughter on our summer holiday